0: Peace and freedom. So, I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited to. We talk about this and more in the UBU Private Podcast for Coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Hey, Difference Maker. In the last episode, I shared the three things that you need to know about your client's personality in order to connect with them better. Now, if you missed that episode, be sure to listen to that one first. That way you get a little bit of context. I don't even think it's 10 minutes long. And now I want to highlight each of the Enneagram types based on the information from last episode, which is their nature their nurture, and the nine acknowledgement languages. Now for a deeper understanding of the nine acknowledgement languages, I wanna invite you to check out my book. You can go to powercoachgen.com and click on the link there. So today we are starting with the type one. And if you have a client that you think might be an Enneagram type one, and you wanna know what is the best way to connect with them through your coaching, through your teaching or your creative services, then this episode is for you. Let's go ahead and dive in. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, creatives, and educators like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jim P. Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't. So you're free to make the impact you were born to make and have fun doing it. Your personality is your business. So let's get down to business. First of all, I need to get something out of my system. Just because your client or spouse or friend or parent or whoever. <laughs> Just because they are behaving like a type one does not mean that they are a type one. I'm going to say that again, because it's super important. Just because someone behaves like a type one is not an automatic check mark that that is their type. This is so important because as their coach or their mentor, it's your job to not keep them in a box but guide them out of it. And if you make the wrong assumptions about their stress patterns or their growth path, which is the whole point of knowing what your Enneagram type is, you can inadvertently keep them in a box. So I beg of you, those of you who are her Enneagram enthusiasts, please, please ask questions. Ask lots of questions. And if you don't know for sure which type they are, I have a whole list of questions that can get you started in your coaching sessions or even in your discovery calls that are going to help you build rapport and help your clients make progress. Stay tuned for more information about that. Now let's go ahead and start talking about the Enneagram type one. Now, remember your Enneagram type is based on motivations, not your behaviors. And I want to break those motivations down into two different categories. And this is what I think is key about my approach. The two categories are surface motivations and core motivations. Now, the surface motivations of the type one is to be able to improve or to reform themselves, people, their environment, to reform something, to improve something, to have structure, to have rules and regulations so that they don't have to worry about doing things wrong or knowing that they are having integrity and paying attention to details to make sure they are in integrity. And this allows them to be a good role model for others to follow. The core motivations of the type 1 takes those surface motivations that I just listed and ties it to this overarching theme of being proper or being a good person and a fear of being corrupted now for a type one the surface motivations define their morality which points to what kind of person they are and to not be driven by the their morals feels wrong Being correctable itself is morally wrong for the type one. That's why they have such high standards. And they can tend to project those standards, that view, onto other people by being critical about even the tiniest details. Because what they're essentially doing is proving to themselves and to other people that they are a good person because they care so much about integrity, even down to the tiniest detail. Now, they may not completely be aware of this because it is a fixation of their hard wiring. When I say hard wiring, that is our unconscious mind. Now, they are given this label of the perfectionist, but you have to be really mindful to tie this label to their core motivations. They are perfectionists because if they are not then that makes them a bad person. Now, contrast this with other Enneagram types that might also identify with being a perfectionist or loving those TikTok videos that are, that are so satisfying, right? That's, that could be kind of OCD-ish, right? But for other types, it might be because if they're not perfect, then that means that they're stupid or that they're ignorant and therefore they're not going to participate. That's like a type five. Even for a type eight, sometimes a type eight might do that because being less than perfect, which might make them look stupid, that's dishonorable. That makes them look weak. That makes them look like they don't have any self control. Or for the type three, or maybe even a type two, perfectionism means that they'll be liked and that they'll be appreciated. So it's how they are perceived by others that defines their perfection. And this is why I say don't use labels to type people. It's just surface motivations and any type can identify with them. And so it's super easy to get mistyped when you're just looking at the labels. Now, when it comes to business, that's not necessarily a bad thing to be able to identify with these surface motivations because being able to empathize is the key to building connection. So when you can resonate with some of these behaviors that are a result of these motivations, that gives the empathy. But not knowing their true type or mistyping them is going to stunt their growth or it's going to prolong their stuckness because your connection can only go so far you'll be focused on these surface solutions or a band-aid solutions instead of focusing on the root cause of their stuckness which is the blind spots and the hardwiring of these unconscious knee-jerk reactions this is what the nine acknowledgement languages helps you to distinguish Now, for a type ones hardwiring, they are constantly feeling judged and they don't need anyone else around them to feel judged because they are great at doing it themselves. (laughs) They are constantly judging themselves and critiquing themselves about the things that they should be doing or what they didn't do right. They're thinking, I should have done this or I should have done that. So as their coach or their mentor... You need to give them a safe place for them to vent frustrations or vent disappointments over not being perfect because something that might be easily forgivable for you, like forgetting to dot an I on a sticky note reminder, that gets stored into a vault of negative self-talk and they can pull that out and use it against themselves. So when they vent those frustrations to you, you need to be able to acknowledge them and not sweep them under the rug. A whole vault of seemingly benign incidents adds up for the type one. It's just simmering under the surface. And it only takes a little something to to break that surface tension. And then it turns into this rolling boil of anger or grumpiness. So what I've just done is I've briefly described what a true type one or a natural type one is thinking, feeling, and doing. So what do I mean by a pseudo type one or a nurtured type one? This is when your client behaves like a type one, might even think they're a type one, but they're actually not a type one. Now there are several reasons why this might happen. And I'm gonna go over a couple. The first obvious reason is that it could be that they are connect their true type is connected to the type one on the Enneagram symbol. So for example, wings, like a nine wing one, or a two wing one. They're really a nine, but they might behave or present themselves as a one. Or they're really a two, but they present themselves as a one. Or a seven whose stress number is one, and in a stressful moment, might present as a type one. Or a four whose in a secure moment or is integrating to their type one. So what does this look like? So a type nine with a wing one might hold really high standards on how they like to do things or how things should be done like a type one would think. But they're probably gonna procrastinate it or even neglect those tasks until they can give it the time and the attention that they feel like it deserves in order to meet those standards. For a type two with a wing one, they might put their worth into being a good person, but it's not from that black and white morality standpoint like the type one, but more on how the other person perceives them. Does the other person perceive them as a good person? And then therefore they're gonna get that validation, that appreciation that they're seeking. For a type seven, they might become critical about their disappointments, like there was a lack of planning or who wasn't paying attention to details or I wasn't paying attention to details and now I'm not having any fun because now it's really infringing on my experience. But this isn't necessarily a reflection of my character, like it would be if I were a true type one. And for a type four who is integrating or in a secure moment to the type one, They might be following rules and following protocols, but they're putting their little spin on it. They're giving it a little twist or or their own little flair. An example of this is maybe they're required to wear a uniform at work, but they might style their hair a different way in a, in a really unique way, maybe color their hair. Or if that's not allowed, maybe they'll wear really wild socks that only are shown in certain positions when they're not in their professional environment. Now, some types are often mistyped just based off of their behaviors, like type 6s and type 1s are sometimes mixed up, mainly because type 6s are labeled as the anxious ones. Yes, type 6s are anxious, but they don't necessarily recognize that they're anxious like the type 1s. So type 1s are the true worry works, especially self-preservation type 1s. And sometimes type eights get mistyped as a type one, but in general type ones are better socializers than the type eight. And this is one of the distinctions that the nine acknowledgement languages helps you make. I don't wanna get off on a tangent, but check out my book if you want to really understand the different nuances between the types based on their nine acknowledgement languages. Another reason why your client might be a pseudo type one is it might be a style or a habit. Anyone that's influenced by those behaviors will also emulate those behaviors, like maybe you had a strict upbringing and therefore you do what you know, or maybe you had a very permissive upbringing and you had to do the opposite just to survive. Something else I brought up in the last episode, um, and I, I think it's really important to note so I may bring this in for each of the types is is this trauma response. If you had a traumatic experience in your past of being told that you're a bad person or you're constantly under scrutiny for mistakes that you've made, then you might also adopt some of these behaviors of a type one. Or it could be a health condition like a OCD diagnosis. So you don't have to be a type one to have OCD. And just because you have OCD, it doesn't mean that you're a type one. But any kind of health condition, I just use OCD as an example because I said it earlier, but any health condition that might make you feel grumpy and behave like a type one. There's lots of different possibilities and combinations that can make other people that are not type ones be a pseudo type one because they are behaving that way and taking on that persona. It's just a mask. And as a coach, you're going to help them explore that mask and be comfortable taking it off so they they can dig deeper. The difference between a true type one or a natural type one and a pseudo type one or a nurtured type one is the core motivations and the default stress patterns of their hard wiring. And this is so important to be able to make the distinction is because the growth path for a true or a natural type one is different than all of the other types that are just behaving like a type one. Now, when it comes to messaging in your business, if you solve a type one problem, and here I'm strictly talking about behaviors, you're going to want to use language that reflects that. like. How to Discipline Your Child Without Yelling or The Ultimate rule book for the Perfect Sales Page. If you know that you want to work with type 1s, then you can tweak your copy similarly in order to attract your ideal client. If you have any questions about this or you want specific examples of how to handle it in your own business with a client or even in your marketing, I'd love for you to join the Online Business Network and be a part of our Unbox Your Personality Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. Now, in the upcoming episodes, I'm going to go through each of the Enneagram types, just like I did here. So be sure to listen to all of them because these episodes are not mutually exclusive. I talk about all of the types. So to quickly recap, the acknowledgement languages for the type one guide you as the coach to understand what gets their attention, even if they are a pseudo type one. You get their attention when they feel like you get them. You'll know exactly where they usually get stuck in their limiting beliefs and how they typically handle it, but they're actually sabotaging their progress. By default, your clients are stuck inside of a box, whether they recognize it or not, and are blindly looking for solutions. Your job is to show them where the ladder is and help them get out of that box to give them the structure the map whatever they need to do to climb that ladder and get out of the box you are there to unburden them of this fear that they're going to be doing something wrong and therefore they're going to be a bad person because that is stressful and chronic stress is the very thing that keeps us in our boxes regardless of what type we are bottom line you can help alleviate your client stress by helping them feel understood whether that's a coaching session a discovery call or inside of your offer and when you can do that it frees them up to unbox themselves and unleash their power thank you for listening subscribing and reviewing the unbox your personality podcast to learn more about yourself go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.